Hey y'all, you're listening to the Faith Church Sermon Podcast. We are so excited that you're connecting with us today. It is our desire for you to grow as a result of the resources we provide here. We pray that this blesses you today as you seek to know Him more. Good morning. My name is Reggie Romain, and I'm actually an elder here at Faith Church. I have the pleasure of of sitting on the elder board. I also am one of the team captains for guest services, and I volunteer once a month in prayer work. Step room back there right outside the doors, and we pray with you. Uh, I have the pleasure of concluding our sermon series on God is More Than Enough. But before we jump into my sermon, I'd like to actually share with you my experience and kind of how I ended up here today. You see, I'm one of you. What I mean by that is I sit next to you on Sundays, and sometimes I jump online and I'll watch from the comfort of my living room, but I'm one of you. I'm not on staff here at Faith Church. I'm a husband, a father, and um, the reason I bring that up is because we tend to defer our responsibility to go deeper into things of God through the reading and studying His Word, and we kind of say, we're not the church, that's their job. It's the pastors and the church's job, and we defer that responsibility onto themselves. But that couldn't be further from the truth in terms of what it is, our responsibility. You see, Jesus died for us, his shed blood, making a way for us to have direct access to God. And we're all entrusted with the responsibility of cultivating a healthy relationship with God. This responsibility is entrusted to everyone, whether you're a carpenter, doctor, lawyer, stay-at-home mom and dad, teacher, student. We're all entrusted with the responsibility, again, to cultivate a healthy relationship with God through his word. That's the reason he gave his son to die for us, that we would be reconciled to him, reconnected back to God. So today I've got two goals. One is the obvious, to preach a sermon, right? Uh, Which is to have a deeper understanding of a portion of scripture for application, for the purposes of application. Second, I'm trying to do something a little different, so bear with me. Uh, The second is to actually steward our relationship with God well through the reading and studying of our word and become self-feeders. See, every follower of Christ can become a self-feeder, someone who studies the Bible and grows as a Christian. Individuals who not only attend church and listen to sermons, but who seek God for themselves to hear directly from God through the reading and studying of his word. So again, more about my experience Uh, and kind of how I ended up here. So Pastor Joe reached out to a group of us, and he had a meeting, brought us together, and shared his heart about being more intentional about putting together a preaching team. Now, if I can be vulnerable for just a moment, I was overwhelmed with joy. Not because I was chosen. No, not at all. Uh, But because it was a sign, another sign, uh, how Faith Church is a healthy church. Not a perfect church. There's no such thing because you and I are here, right? But it's a, it's a healthy church, a healthy gathering of believers who sincerely seek God through Jesus Christ with the help of the Holy Spirit. See, the way this thing works is God provides his greatest resource to the body of Christ all over the world, here and all over the world. That resource being people, you and I. And the church is responsible for stewarding that resource well through discipleship. Then we identify the gifts and talents and provide opportunities for those gifts and talents to be developed and used in the family of God and then released into the world. If you haven't noticed, this is what we do here at Faith Church. However, one sign of an unhealthy church is when the lead or senior pastor uh, holds tightly to everything, especially the Sunday teaching, and doesn't develop 
the, their local preachers and teachers that God has provided for them. Again, we are blessed here at Faith Church to have a humble leader in Pastor Joe and humble people on staff. Please, let us not take this for granted. All right, let's jump into the scriptures. So we're going to focus, the portion of the scripture we're going to focus on today is Matthew chapter 13, verses 10 through 13. So you can turn that on or go there. And while you're turning there, I want to share a couple of Bible hacks that I've learned, that I've been taught early in my walk. One of those being is when you're reading scripture, ask yourself the question, who is the author? Who's writing, right? And then who's the audience? Who's the author writing to? Doing so helps to give you a little deeper understanding of the scripture. So the book of Matthew was written by a Jewish follower of Jesus, primarily to Jews, to prove that Jesus is the Messiah by first highlighting his genealogy. So in Matthew chapter 1, Matthew starts by writing, uh, and he starts in Abraham, and from Abraham it goes to King David, and from King David to when Israel was exiled in Babylon, and from there to Jesus. 42 generations in all. Now, what was the purpose of this? It, it proves and it makes Jesus the legal heir of King David's throne. Now, so when Jesus starts his ministry and he starts preaching in Matthew chapter 4, he starts by saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand or the kingdom of heaven is near. And then also later in Matthew, when the disciples asked Jesus, teach us to pray. How do we pray? He taught them the Our Father. And if we know, all we know is that Our Father is that he says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So again, the kingdom of heaven is a major theme in the book of Matthew. And since it's kind of difficult for us to wrap our minds around the kingdom of heaven, Jesus used parables to help us better understand it. So it brings us back to, again, Matthew chapter 13, verses 10 through 13. So if you're there, let us read. The disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? Jesus replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. And whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. It's like the disciples were saying, why are you speaking in code, Jesus? What are you saying? And Jesus says, well, because you guys can understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but not them. Now, when I initially read this, I was intentional trying to approach this like a child, because I don't know about you, but sometimes I'll read the Bible and I'll read the story and I'll kind of say, man, why did they say that or do that? That was kind of dumb. But then if I was there in their shoes in that moment, I'd probably say and do the same thing. So I sided with the disciples and I said, yeah, Jesus, why, why don't you make it clearer, easier? I thought about friends and family who don't know Jesus just yet and said, man, if you can make it a little easier, that'd be cool. But the obvious answer is, of course, Jesus wants, and of course, God wants people to know and come to know him. So, and actually, it says that in, uh, that in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, God desires that none should perish, but that all will come to repentance. And of course, probably the most famous verse in the Bible, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So, of course, the obvious answer is, God does want everyone to know and believe in him. However, God is not irresponsible, nor does he force and or make anyone follow him. I'll come back to this point in a moment. So again, back to the question, 
Why do you speak to the people in parables? What is a parable? A parable is a short story meant to illustrate a spiritual lesson. Jesus uses parables 43 times in the Gospels, 13 of which were about the kingdom of heaven. And then his response in verse 11 of chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 13, he says, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you, which sounds like an exclusive club, right? It sounds like it's reserved for a few, but not for all. But we know, it's clear, that's not the character of God, that's not the heart of God for his kingdom. So to better explain this, I want to remind us of a conversation Jesus had with his disciples in Matthew chapter 16. Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And some of the disciples said, Jesus, some people think you're John the Baptist. Some people think you're Elijah or Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Then Jesus turned around and says, okay, who do you say that I am? And Peter, one of the disciples, says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And then in Matthew chapter 16, verse 17, Jesus responds to Peter and said, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for it, for it was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. So the question is, how does God reveal this to Peter? The answer, through his Holy Spirit. In Matthew 10, Jesus gives the 12 disciples the authority to preach the gospel, to cast out demons, and to heal the sick. In his ministry, in Matthew chapter 12, verse 28, Jesus says, but if it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3, Paul writes that no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Jesus, the Son of God, gives credit to the Holy Spirit for the miracles he performed. And if Jesus needed the Holy Spirit, then the disciples needed him too, and so do we. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is our helper, our teacher, the one who leads us into all the truth. If your heart is open to the, Holy, to the Spirit's help, you will understand what Jesus is teaching. The Holy Spirit is God's power living in us for us to do the works that God has prepared beforehand for us to do. And the Holy Spirit was available to anyone and everyone whose hearts were open. And the Holy Spirit is still available to anyone and everyone whose hearts are open, which is what Jesus is trying to teach his disciples. Now, take a step back. So another tool I was taught early in my walk when looking at some verses is to don't just look at them in a bubble, Understand the full context, read the entire chapter, maybe verses before it and after it. Some portions of scripture have certain themes. For example, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus preached this great Sermon on the Mount is actually captured in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. Uh, in Romans 6, the theme in Romans 6 is sin. I was taught early as a believer, you can memorize the entire chapter and, and have greater victory over sin. And then in Romans 8, at the theme in Romans 8 is actually the Holy Spirit. So if you want to grow deeper in our intimacy with the Holy Spirit, we can read, study, and even memorize Romans chapter 8. So what we're going to do is going to go back to, to verse 1 in Matthew chapter 13, and we're going to kind of read and find out exactly what prompted the disciples to ask Jesus this, this question. Why are you speaking in parables? So again, Matthew chapter 13, verse 1. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large groups gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, a farmer went out to sow seed. 
As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good ground, where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let him hear. Now do you see why the disciples asked the question? Jesus tells a parable about seeds. Seeds falling on different soil, and only one type of soil produces a crop. Then Jesus says, he who has ears, let him hear. Like, everyone had ears. We all have ears. What are you saying, Jesus? The disciples are like, why are you speaking in code? Why can't you just be more clear? So let's go back down to verse 16 as Jesus continues his response to his disciples, and he actually explains the parable. So again, Matthew 13, we're going to jump down to verse 16, and Jesus says, blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see but did not see it, and to hear what you hear but did not hear it. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. What's constant here? The seed. The seed is the same, doesn't change. And the seed represents the word of God. What's the variable? The soil, the ground. That changes. And that represents the heart and mind of people who hear the word of God. So yes, we all have ears to hear what God says. But what is the soil of your heart like? Is it hard soil or soft soil? Do you hear God's message but don't understand it? Because if you don't understand, maybe it's because you don't have a soft, humble, teachable heart. Do you get excited when you hear God's word, but only for a short time and due to trouble and persecution, you walk away? Maybe it's due to people at work, at work or at school or in your family who are mocking you for putting your faith and trust in Jesus, causing you to second guess what God's word says. Do the worries of life choke out the word you receive? Maybe all the things happening around you, the lies of our culture and the deceitfulness of wealth and comfort keep you from really listening to what God says in his word. Maybe you hear about giving to the church and you grab your wallet like Pastor Joe says. Could that be it? As a matter of fact, when I first became a believer, 
Back in March 1999, it was a beautiful, exciting time in my life. I was so excited. I came to Christ, and I couldn't wait to go to church. However, there were two conditions that I kind of gave God. One, you're not getting my money. <laughs> you know, I was going to give you a dollar in the offering plate when it comes by, and that's it. Be happy with it. That's all you're getting, because that's what my mom gave us when we went to church. We got a dollar. Sometimes I'd go to the arcade and play some games, so it really wasn't a dollar. It was like 25 cents. But you're going to get that. And then there was um, worship. I would show up and they would be raising their hands and singing. It was really weird. So you know what? You go ahead. I'll be back when you're done and I'll just be there for the sermon. But just to see what the word of God can do with a humble heart, my wife and I, we committed to being consistent givers and even started tithing. And God has performed miracles in our lives, not just financially, but uh, blessed us with seven amazing children. Um, and if you know me, you know how much I love to worship. So yeah, now I'm the one raising my hands and acting all weird for Jesus, but I love it. <laughs> so maybe you're a good ground. And what does that look like? Maybe it looks like you hear a new biblical principle and you, and you humbly go and try and apply it to your life. Maybe you commit to daily Bible reading. Or maybe you reach out to someone to mentor you to help you with your walk and become more like Jesus and more like a disciple of Jesus. You know what? Jesus commands that we go and make disciples. We cannot make ourselves into disciples of Jesus. If you've been a Christian for a period of time, you've never been disciple, you've never had a mentor-mentee relationship, I would encourage you to pray and ask. He will provide. I was blessed when I first became a believer. I knew I couldn't continue to hang around the guys I was hanging around with, and I simply asked God for a friend. And before you know it, I didn't meet him at church. I actually needed some work done and asked around, hey, can you refer to me, meet me to a mechanic? And I walked in, he's listening to Christian music, we get to talking, and I would show up and just spend hours, and we would talk about the Bible and Jesus, and I'd hand him tools, and, and we developed this amazing relationship. God will provide, just ask. Maybe another way it looks like when the fruit is being uh, produced in your life is you become a consistent giver. You commit to giving consistently. So the next time Pastor Joe asks and starts talking about money, instead of keeping your wallet from him, you actually grab your wallet and throw it at him. Joe, take what you want. You know, don't throw your wallet at Pastor Joe when he's up here preaching. You know, get me in trouble. So maybe you start giving consistently to the church, or maybe you start supporting a child in need through ministries like Compassion International or World Vision. Again, the question is, why did Jesus speak in parables? Parables test our heart, motivation, and humility. It is clear what matters most to God is the attitude of the heart in receiving his word. God's word, God's Bible, it's his primary communication to us. And with our helper, the Holy Spirit, and a humble heart, we can hear from God. God wants to speak and does speak. And he wants you to hear and know more, which produces a fruitful crop in our lives. One of the reasons Jesus spoke in parables and then later explained those parables to his disciples is because he was teaching and preparing them for ministry. These 12 were going to build his church. So he had to prepare them for what they were going to do because they were going to be like farmers, sowing seeds, the seeds of God's word, by preaching the gospel to all kinds of people. Jesus was preparing them for what they were going to experience as they were about to start building his church. We read stories in, in the book of Acts and all through the epistles of how the apostles went from town to town sharing the message of Jesus and, the early, and how the early church grew. 
read about all the different kinds of hearts the word of God fell on, and, and some were hardened hearts. And we read stories about how they were persecuted and beaten for preaching the gospel, some even to the point of death. And we read stories about some who received the word, and again, when persecution and trouble came, or maybe due to the deceitfulness of wealth, they just stopped following Jesus. And then we read stories of how those who came to Christ were committed, and the church grew, and the gospel spread throughout the world. So again, what is the soil of your heart like? Is it hard soil or soft soil? Let's go back to Matthew chapter 13, verse 11. Again, remember Jesus' response. The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you, but not to them. When I read this, it kind of, I was in the process of preparing a sermon to give to you, right? The whole, and then at the same time, God was speaking to me. And it dawned on me. It's like, wait a second. The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to me. Well, what am I going to do with it? I'm a spirit-filled Christian, right? I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus. It's like, whoa, okay. That begs the question, what am I going to do with what I know about God's kingdom? Will I keep what I know about God's kingdom to myself? Or will I share it with the people around me? Will I apply what I know about God's kingdom to my life? Or will I waste it? Am I going to allow the lies of pleasures and treasures to choke out what God has said about me? Am I going to surrender ground to the devil, to the evil one, through my sin and disobedience, allowing him to snatch the word out of my heart? You know what? Some days, yes, I do okay. <laughs> and some days, not so well. If I can be honest and confess, one of my sins is I'm a professional worrier. Hi, my name is Reggie. I'm a professional worrier. Hi, Reggie. It's a group. We have a, we have a focus group. And, <laughs> and uh, I have a master's degree in worrying. You know, I'm blessed. Just ask my beautiful wife and seven children. You know, they'll tell you how I can get caught up focusing on the world and its troubles. However, when I turn my focus on God, it's clear what his word says. Do not be anxious for anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and minds in Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. See, at work, we recently went through a major restructuring, and stress levels were through the roof. And when I would take time, spend time with God and his word, environment didn't change. My attitude towards my environment changed. But when I would neglect time with God and his word, it seemed like the weight of the world was on my shoulders. So we all have a choice to have humble hearts that receive the Spirit's teaching about God's kingdom so that we can discover peace and purpose. Or we can have hardened hearts that ignore God's truth and we become anxious, confused, lost, and, even, and making our lives fruitless. Jesus makes the soft, humble-hearted person this promise. He says in Matthew 13, verse 12, Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever has a humble heart, who hears God's word and learns from it, God promises to give us more, more of himself, more understanding. And the more we learn, the more fruitful our lives will become for the kingdom of God and for his glory. Jesus' younger brother, James, helps us give us better understanding when he writes in James chapter 1, verse 22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not 
do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forget, it what, forget what's, what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in their deeds. Your life will be blessed by God abundantly if you will not only hear God's word, but apply it to your life. The reason we study the Bible, the reason we study God's word is to gain, it's not just to gain more knowledge, even though that's kind of part of it, that will happen, but it's to grow in our intimacy with the one and only true and living God, the God who loves us and made a way for us to be reconciled to him by his son, Jesus Christ. Remember, every follower of Christ can become a self-feeder, someone who studies the Bible and grows as a Christian. We can all prepare sermons to and for ourselves, sermons that God wants to preach to us and through us. To those of you here today that don't yet have a relationship with Jesus, forgive me for being rude and not addressing you until now. Maybe uh, you're kind of, you know, someone drug you here, made you come for whatever the reason, and you're like, okay, how much longer? When is this going to be over? <laughs> or you put you in a headlock. Maybe you're watching online and, and you're new to this thing we call Christianity, church, whatever the case may be. Maybe you don't understand the Bible when you hear it. You can understand the Bible. The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven can be given to you, just like the disciples and just like modern-day believers today. All you have to do is ask. Ask with a humble heart. Ask Jesus, and you shall receive. In Romans chapter 10, verse 10, it says, For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Just ask. And after you ask, believe you receive, reach out. Reach out to the church. Reach out to a friend that you know has is, is, is been a Christian, has probably been wanting you to come to church for the longest, but ask and reach out. For those of us who are Christ followers, let me ask one more time. What is the soil of your heart like? Is it hard soil or soft soil? If your heart is open, soft, and humble, the Spirit will help you understand God's Word. Just trust Him. Once you begin understanding the truth of God's Word, what are you going to do with what you know about God's kingdom? For this is the heart of God, that we would know him more and grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Doing so produces a fruitful, abundant harvest in our lives. Let us pray. Father, we bless and praise your name, for you are more than worthy to be praised. We give thanks to you, Lord, for you are good, for your love and your word and your mercy endures forever. We bless and praise you and thank you that the seed of your word you have hidden in our hearts, Lord dear God. We thank you that it's fallen on the good ground of our hearts and it will bear fruit, fruit by faith, 30, 60, and 100 fold. We ask that you watch over it and you bring the increase. And we ask that you protect us and protect the word that we've heard, Father God, from the evil one, not allowing him to pull it out of our hearts. We ask this in all things in Jesus' name. Amen.